Money, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. Welcome to Transformational Thinking with the Honk. Today we have a great subject that we're going to discuss with you. We want to help a lot of people understand as we talk about when a mother abandons the home, leaves a daughter there to figure it out for herself, and the challenges and the effects of being raised in a home without mom. Listen, it's going to be a great conversation. We're going to help a lot of people today. Tell a friend that transformational thinking is here, and we want you to join us for this powerful conversation. Well, welcome, Sandy. We're glad to have you today to tell us and share about your story. I know so many people are going to be helped today because there are a lot of people who really don't understand the effects of not having uh, a primary parent in the home. In your case, and unusually to me, uh, many times, it's probably more prevalent than we think it is that young ladies are raised in a home where their mom is absent. So we're going to talk about that today. So kind of give us some background about how all that occurred, some of your uh, background and history uh, as you grew up and what that was like. Sure. Um, My mom and father met in Japan when my father was in the Air Force and he was stationed in Okinawa, Japan. And um, they met, I think, at a nightclub. Um, So they ended up coming to the States. And um, that's where, of course, they had me in Jersey. And that's where my father retired, I think, at the age of 42, if I'm not mistaken. And so, unfortunately, things didn't work out between my mom and father. And she ended up leaving my dad and I around when I was the age of two. Um, My father, I guess, tried to hold it down for us. However, he needed help. So we ended up moving to New York with my grandparents, his parents, um, in Brooklyn, New York. And I was the age, I think, of two or three. And then um, he ended up remarrying. And we moved to Virginia when I was the age of seven. So are you saying that you never really met your mom, that she was gone from the relationship before you were aware of even having a mom? That is correct. So how were you primarily raised? And were you primarily raised by your aunt or your extended family on your dad's side? How did that come about? What did that look like? Well, when my dad remarried, I did have a stepmom. Um, however, the marriage didn't last long. I think they um, divorced when I was the age of 11, and we moved to um, an apartment, a two-bedroom apartment, and, um, of course, in a not-so-good neighborhood as well. But um, she kind of was there in the beginning. I had my aunt's and my cousins, but I didn't have much family here. It was only my uncle Albert and his wife and children that lived in the state of Virginia. So they 
were there for us um, through my father working out his divorce um, and, you know, um, until we was able to find a two-bedroom. So they were there for the most parts, but overall, I honestly didn't have um, a female role model. I kind of was dependent on my father to give me the advice, I guess, that a mother would give a daughter. Um, So those were my role models at the time. Okay, so how many um, siblings did you have, and what was it like? Um, were, were you very aware, or at what point were you aware that, hey, your family had a different dynamic than other families in that you could see um, and notice that other kids had their mom or their mom and dads. Some had moms but didn't have dads, but... When did you become aware of that, and can you remember what that was like and what you were thinking about at that time? Yes. Um, my life seemed pretty normal up until the time when my father had married um, in New York and we moved to Virginia Things happened so fast because my father was working all the time and I pretty much was with my grandparents the most of the time. So when he made that decision, I kind of was bombarded with it. I wasn't prepared. So here's this new lady coming into our lives. And she not only that, she had a son. So I had a stepbrother and things pretty much seemed awkward. Um, I didn't feel comfortable um, with her. I kind of held back. Um, I wasn't as open. I was acting out a lot. Um, I think I kind of, because it was, I was so used to it being just me and my father, I think I kind of felt like she was imposing on that. Um, I didn't realize how much it affected me not having a female uh, role model, such as a mother, until my father divorced her and it was back to me and him. But by that time, I was older um, I was like the age of 11 and 12, and that was the peak of me hitting puberty, um, going through hormonal changes to where I didn't feel comfortable discussing things with my father. So that was the point, the epitome of me realizing, wait a minute, you know, I don't have anybody to talk to. Um, I don't have nobody to turn to. Um, and I was very, I was an introvert. I was very shy. Um, I stayed in the house. So I didn't have many friends where I could go to their mothers at the time. And then, again, we were just moving into a new neighborhood. The kids um, really wasn't um, nice because I was biracial. Um, I'm 50% Korean and 50% black. So, And my mother was 100% Korean. So the community that we moved into weren't so nice to me. Um, So pretty much I was like in the house. I had to deal with a lot of things that my father didn't understand. Um, I had to come to grasp with on my own. Um, But I did at times reach out to my aunts, my cousins for certain, you know, um, with certain questions, questions regarding hygiene and, you know, things that women go through. Um, But overall, I pretty much had to figure things out literally when I got older. Well, when you talk about that and becoming aware that your natural mom is not there, 
is there a question lingering in the back of your mind and are there really thoughts about <clears throat> where is mom my real mom why is she here and did that affect your self image in terms of your value maybe she didn't want me or um why wasn't you know she willing to stay and be here with me to help me as a young lady um what about those kind of concerns yes definitely i've had all those concerns um growing up but one thing i can commend my father for is he never talked down about my mom um with me even though um he probably had a lot of hurt within him he never down talked my mother to me when i had those questions cuz i would always go to him and i would ask him those questions why he said he met my mother in a nightclub she was a part of a band um she was on the road a lot i do have two older siblings on her side um one was full korean and one was korean and white so he said he thinks that this is just the momentum of her um she just was not the typing he wish he would have saw the signs um but of course he didn't so um he think that you know um she just chose a life to live on a road you know versus staying at home and being a mother so um i would i would ask him but he you know other than that he would just say you know that's all he would tell me um Luckily my sister older sister one of his children with his other wife um before me um cuz I am the youngest of six kids um but the only one with a Korean mother um she would take me to church and I always um would think you know well would I have a better life you know if she would have taken me with her you know i'm kind of content i'm happy with the life i have now my life could have been worse you know she could have went back to korea and taken me with her where i heard you know things may not be may not have gone so well with her family you know they're strict a lot of asians don't like to date outside their culture you know and i did have a friend um who was korean and white and her mother thought it was so strange because she said it was out of the norm for an asian mother korean mother um to leave her child if anything she was wondering why she didn't take me with her but my father think that her peep you know family may have been somewhat racist towards black people too so you know with me knowing all that i just felt that um i was i had the better um circumstances staying with my father i felt i felt deep down inside she knew by her being 100% her english may not have been well you know she may had a lot of conflicts dealing with living in america that she probably thought i was better off with my father versus me taking um versus taking me with her so um i just i think you know things happen for a reason um and yes i do wonder about her i do have um i do have the questions i would like to get her version cuz right now all i hear is my father you know father's version i would love to meet her one day and ask her why you know but i try to stay positive um growing up though without my korean mother 
did um, cause a little psyche on my part because it's funny because I never identified myself as biracial up until I was around 16, 17 um, when I realized um, it was a good thing. But growing up, I actually identified myself as black 100%. Um, People would look at me and say, no, you're not. You know, there's some, you're mixed with something. And um, I said, well, my mother was never a part of my life. My father raised me. So that's who I am. You know, I'm my father's daughter. So. Well, that seems to be, well, what, what I'm looking at is a pattern of you. Grow, now, your, your mature version of yourself seems to be more optimistic, understanding and thankful, uh, which is really great. Um, that in spite of all of that, you are who you are today. You are taking everything in consideration. But as a young age, it seems like you would have had to deal with a lot of feelings of rejection. Um, you you get up, you find out that mom has abandoned the family for whatever reason. Then you end up meeting other women who your father marries that you don't really connect with. Then you got to deal with the prejudice that goes into and the racism that goes into cultures who pretty are closed cultures that really don't accept others um, who are married outside of that culture. Uh, And maybe, you know, maybe that is uh, one of the things that happened because your mom might have felt like you would have been um, mistreated or you might have have to have had to deal with a lot more racism if you would have went with her. Um, again, you never know. But my thing is, um, how did you handle uh, feeling that type of rejection and what types of things happened as a result of you saying, wow, um, you know, did it affect you in terms of how you saw uh, others or how you saw yourself or relationships that you tried to have? How did you feel like those issues that you dealt with as a young person being in that situation affected you in your uh, development and in your socialization interaction with others? Especially when you're saying, you know, sometimes I just didn't feel like I fit in because um, of all the issues concerning um, culture. Yes. So um, come to think about it, um, as I'm looking back, it definitely has taken an effect. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I suffer from anxiety um, is the fear because my father used to joke about it as when I was older. I remember bits and pieces of it, but when we first moved to Virginia um, and my um, and he ended up getting a divorce with his ex-wife, um, he of course was having a hard time having to find me a babysitter. Um, because he said that I would act out and I would scream every time he would leave, and I used and I told him I I would tell him that I do remember acting out and throwing temper tantrums um, because it was a fear of him seeing the 
when I was seeing him, I remember when I was seeing him leaving out, I would get scared um, that he wouldn't come back. It was that feeling that, you know, I don't want to be left with this lady. You know, why are you leaving me? You know, and I think that has um, played a part with my mother and it's just be me and him. Um, also, um, when he, he, he did, he didn't bring many women around me, but when he did, I, I didn't take on to them light, um, lightly. Um, the same with my stepmother and, you know, later on as an adult, I apologized to her and she understood. Um, we could laugh about it now, but, um, I remember giving her a hard time, um, I don't know if maybe I was a part of the reason why they divorced. I don't know. But I really did. Um, I just I wanted my father all to myself. Um, I wanted to be with him always. I was very attached to him. Um, I never, you know, I, he was he had bad habits of smoking and drinking. Um, I was afraid because he already had me at an old age that um, if he continued going down that route that he may not last long to, you know, um, see me grow up. So I remember as a preteen, I would take his cigarettes and throw them in the trash because I was afraid that he would die, he would leave me, um, and I would be alone. I just I always felt like I never wanted him to have that feeling of him leaving me. So when another female came into the picture, that gave me that feeling. Um, and then even later on, um, it kind of, I think I kind of developed controlled issues, you know, because now I see it with me being a mom, you know, I think it may have affected, impacted me being a mother because I'm, now I'm dealing with complex situations. I have two sons, one's 19 and one is 17, about to be 18 on the 20th of this month. And um, I'm dealing with things with them that a father probably would have been more suitable to deal with. But because of my control issues, there was an opportunity where he did want to take them. But I felt that absence. I said, no, you know, I don't want to leave my kids. I don't want I felt like I would would have been an inadequate mom if they wasn't with me, if they wasn't living with me. And I didn't want, you know, to be the absent mother. I just felt, and re- the reality is, it didn't necessarily have to be that type of situation, but that's just what I was feeling at the time. And I'm definitely <laughs> reaping um, the repercussions of that decision because now, um, you know, the fathers now lives in another state, and my sons are now at a point of where I lost control, and I just don't know what to do. And it's now to the point of me having regrets, saying, well, I wish I wasn't so controlling. I wish I would have just allowed him to take them. They probably would have been better off. Um, Their behavior may have not been such as this. You know, um, I have one son that I think is um, going through substance abuse, and the other son that's just too spoiled. Um, He doesn't take life seriously, it's just, you know, it, it it's a lot. And definitely I I know it has something to do with what I've gone through as a, you know, a child growing up without a mother, a daughter growing up without a mother. Um, well, it seems to be this, that sense of abandonment, feeling like uh, you have, and, and you didn't want to be, okay, so if your mom 
was not there for you and that feeling of abandonment and that need to be attached um, that created that anxiety. And then it comes to the point where you have children and you don't want to reenact or see yourself as that woman who abandons the children and doesn't um, stay and take care of them, even though it may have been even better for them as young adults, young male adults, to be with the father so that he could kind of uh, structure them and give them that type of male discipline and, and model that they needed to see. So this is what we do on this podcast because so many people are dealing with similar situations and it does affect how you interact socially and, and, and your emotional and well-being as you move on in life as an adult. And so, so many people out here today are struggling with similar things, and we want to say to them they're not alone. We want to say to them that there is hope, there are things that can be done. It may be difficult. Nobody says it's going to be easy, but there are steps and things we can do to reposition ourselves, to reframe our thinking and make us uh, more effective, healthier, uh, and uh, in our move forward and then as we move forward in our life. So that's what um, I'm excited about because no matter what that is, you always have an opportunity to change some things and make life better for you and your family. So this issue of anxiety, this issue of feeling abandoned, this, this clinginess that takes place as a result this control, I need to control the dynamic of my relationships because I need to know or I need to try to position myself so I won't continue to deal with these type of issues of abandonment. Um, how do you see that in terms of where you are today? Well, um, as I stated as I stated before, um, in terms of today, um, I definitely think it's it has affected me um, with being an effective mother um, in regards to, you know, um, having that control with my boys um, that I kind of lost. Um, I'm trying to wrong my rights with my daughter because she too have an absent father as well. Um, it definitely has affected me um, in relationships um, because I hear this all the time. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to be the man of the relationship, <laughs> and um, and it's funny because I don't want that. Um, I don't want to be the man of the relationship. But yet I can't help it. But I'm trying to work on that. So um, that's so I think that's one of the reasons why I've never had an effective um, long term. Well, my relationship has been long term, but not where to the point where it didn't lead into a marriage. Um, and at the end of the day, I do want to be married. You know, I do want to um have a long life with a partner. So that's definitely something um, I would like to work on. Um, and then 
Also, um, I wanted to add one more thing with the prior question that I've realized um, was that I've also suffered from depression as well. Um, it did affect me um, with being, with feeling unloved at times because my father being retired military was very hard too on top of that and he definitely didn't play when it comes to boys um but he also was a hard man very a very disciplined man um so without that affection I guess the nurturing aspect of a mother being in a home that would have normally given would have substituted um, for that disciplined feeling you get from a father. I never received that. So uh, my father would try in his way, but at the end of the day, I never got the hugs, the kisses, the the emotional. I never um, was consoled emotionally. Um, so that's something that I think I yearn for too much when it comes to relationships as well. Um, that could be somewhat overbearing, but, um, you know, and if I don't, and I feel like if I don't receive it, then I become depressed or I don't feel loved. Um, because I just remember there was one aspect where my father was so hard, I didn't feel love and I actually did try to, um, commit, um, suicide and, um, you know, it wasn't the aspect of how some kids would take it, where they would take pills and things of that nature. But I had a razor where I was contemplating, um, if I was better off, you know, because I didn't feel loved. Um, but I overcame, um, that feeling and never had that feeling again. But sometimes I do see myself struggling with that as well at an older age. But, you know, me going to church and keeping my faith, it keeps me in a positive aspect to not allow it, you know. But, I, you know, I still struggle. That's still a struggle. Well, that's um, so important to talk about. And, wow, you, you unpacked some things here today. We're going to have to do part two to come back and really talk about some of the things that we want. I want to help you and others work with as it relates to this sense of abandonment and regrounding ourselves in a firm sense of identity about who it is, who we are, and that other people, whether they are parents or loved ones or friends or society in general, do not have the right to define us and determine who we're going to be in life. Um, the thing I try to tell people all the time is this. The one gift any parent gives you, no matter how they act and how they treat you once you get here, is life. And the gift of life that you have is something that where is where we start. We start with appreciating the gift of life and understanding that at some point we are no longer the victim of somebody else's feelings about us. We become victors because we now determine how we feel about ourselves. And so when you start really making a intentional decision to love yourself, to tell yourself 
over and over again in many different ways. And I, I really do suggest that everybody journals. Uh, that's you're going to hear that more and over and over and over when you talk to me on this. Uh, people talk to me on this podcast because it's such an effective way to manage your thinking, to manage your emotions and redirect your thinking and your feelings in a positive way. So whatever you are thinking that causes depression or to make you feel like you're not worthy or to make you feel like you, you know, you're going to be abandoned or uh, nobody can love you because you may be unlovable because of some of the trauma and some of the effects of your upbringing has had on you. You can now rewrite the script. And I want those who are listening to me today to understand that you can rewrite the script. You do not have to live by the script that somebody else wrote for you. Right. You have the power. You have the wisdom. You are very intelligent. You you you're a very wonderful person that has many great attributes that the type of upbringing that you've had disassociates you from all the great things and causes you to focus on some, like I would say on the dark side. So what you have to do is be very intentional because what we don't realize a lot of times when we are being raised and that's in the family. I mean, every family got mess. Every family got some trauma. Every family got things going on that are dysfunctional and have caused pain and traumas in their children. So, you know, some more than others, some less than others, but nevertheless, you find kids that have been raised with both parents in the home, wealthy parents that are suicidal, that are emotionally detached, that have so much anxiety because they don't know how to function in the real world. So, number one, you're not alone. Number two, you now control the scenario. And you have to take back your power to say, now I'm going to control the scenario. Excuse me. <clears throat> so what I tell my clients to do, and this is just a first step, and we'll deal with some more the next time we on part two. Write down as greatly as you expressed and you got a grip on what you tie these feelings and emotions to, write it down. Then come back and say, that's not what I want. That's not what's going to happen for me. And what do I want? Mm-hmm. What do I want? Not, not what have others imposed on me, mm-hmm. but what do I want? And when you focus on what you want and that desire for what you want continues to build and continues to get momentum and you begin to really feel like, you know, you moving and you that desire begins to uh, really grow in you, then the motivation to make those changes you need to make uh, become very powerful. And it becomes very easy to make the changes that you're willing to make because you want it, right? What do I want? Forget what everybody else wants. What do I want? And do I love myself enough and do I find my identity and my love for myself to say I'm worth it, I'm enough, 
I can have it. It's just as much my privilege to have things and and have the life I want as it is for anybody else, right? So it is that conversation that you have to start having with yourself. And the best way to have that conversation is to journal and to be able to um, see and write it out and re-script the life that you want to live. So you're taking it from the life you have lived, the influences that have brought you to this life that you live now, and the life you want to live. And you're going to start focusing more on the life you want to live than the life that you have been dealt, right? right. And now you're going to start using that baby steps. It won't happen overnight, but you're going to start using that to get the momentum to really become a new person, a powerful person, and this is the first step in the process. You have to take back the power, the power that you gave your mama, the power that you gave your daddy, the power that you gave uh, relationships, and the power that you're giving your children. You have to take it back. But you can only take it back when you are rooted and grounded in the identity that I am worth it, I have value, Right. And I am not not going to play the role of the victim. And I want to say this to all those that are listening to us today. You now you you can't be responsible for who you were born to. You can't be responsible for how you were born and who your family is. And you get that pass to a certain point. But at some point, you now have the responsibility, the authority and the power to reframe your life and to put the life your life on the trajectory you want it to be on instead of what others want. And so I think I'm going to wrap up with that, um, and we're going to go to part two, and we're going to continue this conversation because so many of our listeners out there that are going to hear this are going to be so happy that you shared and we had this conversation because now they can relate. They can get some some uh, steps to move forward just like you're getting. And uh, I'm quite sure we're going to see a lot of people helped by this conversation. I want to thank you so much uh, for coming and sharing your story. Uh, we got a lot more to talk about. But for right now, uh, for this segment, we're going to. Uh, just let you say, what would you say to um, other young ladies out there that may be uh, striving and, and maybe feeling some of these same uh, issues that you're dealing with? Well, you pretty much said it for me. Um, basically, you are in control of your future. You cannot allow your past to hinder you mo- being able to move forward. And that's one of the reasons why I've dedicated myself more so in church um, is because I've realized that. However, of course, I need help with taking that direction. So um, that's pretty much, you know, what I the advice that I have to give is that you are in control um, and to not allow your past to hinder you from being able to move forward and stay on a positive mind track while trying to move forward because once you get yourself in 
starting to think negatively, then that can hinder you and make you begin to spiral downward. And you don't want to move downward. You want to move up. So that's pretty much. Absolutely. It's been great. Thank you again so much for coming, Sandy. Looking forward to part two. Listen, those of you that are listening, stay tuned next week for part two. Thank you so much for joining us today for this conversation. Let us know how you benefit from today's episode. You can follow me at Hawkins Solutions on Facebook, Instagram, hawkinsolutions.org. We are grateful for this platform, the Alive Podcast Network, music by Audio Vibes. Be sure to subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We hope you've benefited from the show. And remember, you have the ability to change the trajectory of your life through transformational thinking. This is The Hulk. See you next time.